Today's the feast of the conversion of St. Paul, the Apostle. Here in the Ordo, there's a little description of this feast. It says here, this feast commemorates the conversion of Saul of Tarsus from being a persecutor of Christians to an Apostle of Christ, one of the most touching miracles in the history of the early church. I don't know if touching is quite the word, but it's certainly the, one of the most significant. It shows us how faith comes from grace and from one's free cooperation. That was one of the points I wanted to preach on, and I saw it was here. The combination of God's grace and our response to grace. That's how conversion works. This continues here. The doctrine of the mystical body of Christ receives proof and a clear illustration when Christ says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? We should realize that the best way to hasten the unity of that body is to foster our own daily conversion. So the many, many themes that arise out of the celebration of the conversion of Paul, it happens that the very next line in, in this uh, ordo reminds us that today in the Diocese of Paranaque is the anniversary of the dedication of the cathedral. I'm not sure if that means that the cathedral can't celebrate the Feast of St. Paul. I, I think they have to celebrate the dedication of the cathedral. It's a little bit funny because the cathedral, as we know, is St. Andrew <laughs> Cathedral. And the patron of the diocese and of the cathedral is Our Lady of Buen Suceso. So now it's dedication of the cathedral on the Feast of the Conversion of St. Paul. Well, before we get to the, some of the meat of this uh, feast, let me share a little Anuim trivia with you. Every year we, we, we set up a list of our schedule of the thematic masses so that the men's choir knows when they're going to be serving and the, the office knows when the, we need the song sheets and all these things. So uh, all the dates and the themes are prepared for the year. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was given this list and I made a few changes and then I approved the list, sent it out to everybody, the music director, the office, the people in charge of the food and all this. And uh, the other day, I had this list and I said, what am I going to do with this list? I'm going to lose it within a month or two and then I won't know any of these themes. So every year I, I try to, if I do this properly, I copy the, the themes onto my personal calendar. It's a simple, you know, matter copy-paste, copy-paste. Well, the very last uh, date on the list for 2024 actually is January 25, 2025, so exactly one year from today. We always go a little ahead because otherwise we reach the end of December and then somebody says, well, what's the theme for the next, or when is the next thematic mass? And we don't have the schedule and it's, it's late December and everybody's busy and no one, can, no one can settle it, so we have this little buffer. Anyway, so at the bottom of the list, January 25, 2025, so I copy-paste, copy-paste. I put the theme on my calendar, and I looked at the calendar, and it said, this Mass is a chosen instrument of mine. I said, that doesn't quite sound quite right. This Mass is a chosen instrument? So I look back in the reading, it's today's first reading. This man is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. So if you want to know what the theme is for one year from today, it will be Saturday, January 25, 2025. This man is a chosen instrument of mine. And if you have the list, 
correct that typo. Okay. So, but I thought of that uh, when I went there. I said, that would, actually be a, that would also be a good thing to ponder. This mass is a chosen instrument because it brings us back to what we're doing right here. We don't know where any of us will be in January, on January 25, 2025, but we're all here right now at this mass. So this mass is our opportunity to ponder the great grace of conversion. So here we are. Conversion of St. Paul has several very prominent elements. I, I read some from the, the Ordo. Certainly the first one is Paul's own experience or Saul's own experience of encountering the Lord Jesus as he was on his way to Damascus. That event is, is, a, is a personal earthquake for Saul. Secondly, we can point out how this event has had enormous impact on the whole church. Not only at that time, it was a, certainly an earthquake for the church too. You just ask Ananias what he thought of it. It was an earthquake or a shock. But then it had this, uh, uh, it was the start of this chain reaction of conversion because Paul was a chosen instrument for the conversion of the Gentiles. And then thirdly, we can reflect on our own experience of conversion. Because whenever we reflect on conversion, we can't leave it as if, it's on, as if it only applies to other people, to Saul of Tarsus and some other people who convert. But each one of us is on a journey of conversion. So that's a lot already, though. Saul, the, the body of Christ, who, whom Saul was persecuting, and then each one of us. Just to go back to Saul for a moment, I said it was an earthquake. Maybe I have that in mind because I was chatting with somebody the other day. I don't know how we got into this topic of condominiums. And I said, all these condominiums, I said, I'm frightened because they, 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 they are built in two days and they look cheap and they're very tall. And he, I don't know how he got to this, but he, he shared an experience of his childhood. He was living in Manila in the late 60s and there was a very strong earthquake. And, the, and he remembers the collapse of the Ruby Tower. And I had heard of this Ruby Tower collapse. I didn't know when it was. But it was a, it wasn't a condominium, I don't think, but it was, a, it was an apartment com complex of some kind. And in the earthquake, it completely collapsed and hundreds of people were killed. Probably everyone knows that story because it's part of Manila history. Anyway, he remembers it because he, he woke up in the, in the morning, his house was shaking and he was so frightened. And then later that day, he found out that the, the, the tower in Manila had collapsed. So I have this in mind, this idea of a, of, a, of a collapse, because when it comes to conversion, part of conversion is not just change of direction, but destruction of the old life, destruction of the old tower. It sounds terrible, but and, and, and for Saul, it was terrible. He was knocked down, he was blinded, he was stopped in his tracks. His whole plan for his life, his whole, the whole basis of his life, all collapsed. It was an earthquake. Applying it to ourselves, because it's not as if we just have one earthquake and we're a changed person, but conversion always involves the, the, the forsaking of something, whether it's a tower or it's a fishing boat or it's a career or it's a plan or it's money or, or something tax collector's office, whatever it is, something is 
is shaken and it collapses. It is no longer a secure foundation for our life. Now this happens, it can happen in dramatic moments like it did with Saul, but it happens every time we face temptation or every time we're challenged to stand up for the truth. There's a shaking that goes on and we have to leave behind the rubble of that false self, that false identity that was not built on the will of God. Now, that's not the whole story of conversion, the, the earthquake. There's the new construction, there's the new life. There's the other side of the tomb, which is also a central part of conversion. Saul did not only get knocked down and blinded, he was also given his sight again, and he gained his strength when he started to take some food. He started again, he started a new life, and that's conversion. It's, it's very dramatic in his story. Something like scales fell from his eyes when Ananias came and prayed over him. He regained his sight, he got up, he was baptized, and when he had eaten, he recovered his strength. That, that's the, the, the first positive steps. And we know with Saul, we call him Paul, he never stopped. Once he regained his sight and he regained his strength, he, he moved through the world like a, like a tornado. He was, a, he was an instrument of, of conversion for thousands of people. At the end of this reading, it says, uh, people were all astounded and they couldn't figure out what to do with him. And it says, but Saul grew all the stronger and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that this is the Christ. Paul's mission is what emerges from the rubble of the earthquake. Paul's mission. And this is, this is part of our understanding of conversion. Yes, the forsaking of or the destruction of what is left behind, but then there is the new commission, the new purpose, the new foundation, and the new, the new uh, whole way of life. And that's what comes up in today's gospel. Today's gospel is not just about Paul or just about conversion. This is Jesus after the resurrection, after the earthquake of his death and resurrection, appearing to the eleven. Of course, there's only 11 because Judas isn't around. <laughs> so, and he says, go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Now that this earthquake has taken place, you have a new mission, and the mission is to bring the good news to all the whole world, to all of creation. That's what's shared with us. And then there's all these signs that accompany those who are living a whole new way of life drinking poison, picking up serpents, uh, speaking new languages, etc. Signs. Now, conversion, just to get a little bit further than, than Paul or the, or the commission of the 11, the conversion is the, the call, the, 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 the shake-up of our own life and our opportunity to start again. You can think of your own journey, your own personal journey, moments when you really did change direction, when you encountered Jesus and realized what you were doing was not what God wanted and what, what he wants is something new. Now, it happens in large and small ways. But 
since we're sitting here and this mass is God's chosen instrument and we're here right here, the, the, the way, one way to apply this is to say, okay, here I am right now. I might be sitting in a pile of rubble. I, I might still have the dust of the destruction of my old ways still in the air. But what is the mission God has for me now? What's the new thing? What's the, what's the will of God for me today? The will of God is never to sin or to serve myself or to give in to the demands of the culture or the, the world or to, or to lose, lose my way in all the distractions. That's never the will of God. What is the will of God? Well, that's where we have to listen to the voice of, the, of God in our own hearts and respond to it. So with conversion, it always starts with God. He's, he's, he's the one who decides when the earthquake will be and what effect it will have on us. But it also depends on us because he doesn't force us to respond. So with the great example of Saul of Tarsus before us, Paul, the apostle, let us recommit ourselves to the new way of life that comes by grace, the invitation to be his instrument his chosen instrument in the world.